This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. In 1775, a famous Virginian by the name of Patrick Henry said these famous words, Give me liberty or give me death. Today, it seems that the Democratic Party, or rather the Democrat Party, the progressive movement, both here in America and around the world, and indeed a huge pressure group among doctors, believe that the taking of life gives liberty, not the protecting of life. Give me liberty or give me death. But how are we going to get liberty by giving other people death? That's the conundrum that we face here today as we talk, consider this matter of abortion. In front of me are a series of half a dozen articles that lead to one inexorable conclusion. And that is the belief that taking the life of an unborn child gives freedom for all, is a blessing, in fact, is one of the greatest benefits for saving the planet. All of these used as excuses or rationalizations or convictions or beliefs, whatever you want to call them, and I have given it a new name. I'm not sure that anyone has ever used this term before, but it just came to me just before the program. Metacide. Using medicine as a preliminary, as a predominant killer. Now, we talk about people being executed and using drugs and so on. They could either be electrocuted, or they could be shot, or they could be hung, or they can be uh, given drugs. But it takes a doctor and an expert to administer the killing potion to the one who deserves to be executed. We understand that. But how about the intentionalized taking of human life, life that we depend upon to provide replenishment of the earth, increasing of our economic factors, the economy of the world and the nations and so on. The families, the joy of familyhood and so on. Medicide, using medicine, rationalizing medicine as a killing machine rather than to do no harm as the Hippocratic Oath requires. Today we talk about disguising death as liberty. Disguising death as liberty. I'm calling it medicide. For whatever term you want to apply to it. And the abortion industry is aiming to change state constitutions now, making killing the unborn a right. But it's not just a right. It's a freedom. It's a liberty. That's really what they mean by right. It's a right to take somebody else's life so that you can have more freedom and more liberty. The reversal of Roe versus Wade in June of 2022 
gave each state more freedom in legislating abortion laws and protecting for preborn children. In the 15 months that have followed, the abortion industry has gone on the attack and revealed its top strategy for promoting abortion and protecting its bottom line, that is, changing state constitutions. These state constitutional amendment campaigns are designed to look like they are part of a grassroots effort, at first glance at least. With groups like Ohanians, Ohioans for Reproductive Rights, or Floridians Protecting Freedom, or New Yorkers for Equal Rights. But behind the facade of the words, the campaigns are part of a larger targeted effort driven by abortion industry stalwarts like Planned Parenthood, or NARAL, which is now changing its name because it's become unpopular, so they're now calling it Reproductive Freedom for All, and of course the ACLU. The language of reproductive rights, or so-called freedom, or equal rights, is itself misleading because uh, it groups killing preborn humans induced abortion, which is heavily controversial, together with things like access to miscarriage treatment, something that is not controversial. Pro-abortion laws create a special right to kill an already existing human being living in his or her mother's womb. Pro-abortion laws and amendments do not provide freedom or equal rights to the humans that are being killed, yet they are disguised in the language of liberty. So there you have it. Where are some of the states where this is going on? In Vermont, in California, in Michigan, Ohio, Maryland, New York, Florida, Nevada, Arizona, Missouri. And you can expect it to continue. On Viewpoint Today, we continue to take a look at this subject, and I hope that you will continue to listen because you're going to hear some things perhaps that you have not heard before on this subject. So I'm glad that you've joined us. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And much that is taking place in the name of liberty, in the name of freedom, is actually taking away the liberty and freedom of others. It's amazing. Killing in the name of medicine to save the planet. That's one of the primary arguments, and we'll see how indeed the United Nations itself is now promoting coercive abortion to counter the next pandemic, if you can believe that. But before we get to that, you all know that Dianne Feinstein, the veteran senator from New York, right out of San Francisco, she and Nancy Pelosi (coughs) have led the pack there in the liberalizing of California and San Francisco, but she passed away at the age of 90. Well, that gave the radically liberal Gaviner, uh, Gavin Newsom, the governor, uh, to the opportunity to appoint a replacement until the next election. So what has he chosen? Well, here's what he's chosen. Listen very carefully. He picked an abortion activist and chief of a Democrat fundraising beast. 
Newsom is planning to appoint Emily's List President LaFonza Butler to the Senate seat. The selection is one that has led the Democrat fundraising giant on the issue of abortion. Newsom's selection is expected to serve through the 2024 election. Butler is a Democrat strategist and was advisor to Kamala Harris' presidential campaign. In choosing Butler, Newsom fulfilled his pledge to appoint a black woman who is dedicated to killing black children. Amazing. Butler leads Emily's List, a political organization that supports Democrat women candidates who favor abortion rights. Do you think we should talk more about this? We will. This is Viewpoint. Stay tuned. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's morals slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Again, I welcome you back to Viewpoint. Would you know, would you like to know why yours truly, the host of this broadcast, refuses to use Emily's list? Precisely for the reason that Governor Newsom picked the president of Emily's list to replace Dianne Feinstein. He did it because of two things. Number one, She is a radical supporter of abortion. Number two, she is a progressive Democrat to the max who raises a lot of money for progressive causes. Using the word progressive loosely. I will not use Emily's list. Emily's list is one of the most radical liberal organizations of non, actually purporting to be businesses that you can imagine out there today. It is dedicated. The people behind Emily's List are dedicated to the advancement of every cause that is contrary to biblical Christianity contrary to all conservative thinking and calculating to replace the Christian fundamentals of this country with anti-God practices that are contrary to the best interests of humanity and a fist shaken in the face of God. That's the person that Governor Gavin Newsom from California has chosen. Emily's List President LaFonza Butler to replace Dianne Feinstein in the Senate. It tells it all. And she's black. Why would a black woman want to dedicate herself and her organization and the funds 
that it brings in, the profits that it brings in, why would she want to dedicate it to the extermination of black children? But she does. Now, she doesn't limit it to black children, but since black children are the number one focus of the abortion industry, and more black children are killed through medicide, abortion, why would someone who is being promoted as a black leader want to do that? Is that not as callous as you can find? It's actually calculated to destroy black America and its future. Isn't it? I mean, if we think rationally now, if we're honest about things, how in the world can someone whose skin is black in America even think about supporting somebody like LaFonza Butler or the appointment by Gavin Newsom, a white guy, to promote a woman who is calculating to destroy black America and her children. Let's be honest about things, friends. Isn't it time we're actually honest in some playing political games and rationalizing? That's what we do here on this program. We call things what they really are. We don't play games. We're interested in protecting and preserving, yes, liberty and justice for all. So then why is it that another leader of the Democrat Party in New York, AOC, she's actually a Democrat socialist, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, has now come out and said it is better for families to destroy the lives of their unborn babies than to struggle economically. Now, if that were true, I would not exist here today, and neither would any of my four brothers and sisters. Because in those days, five children, my father being a pastor, in small churches... And in those days, churches had this philosophy. Lord, you keep him humble and we'll keep him poor. So they provided pastors with a parsonage, a house, somewhere near the church facility, and paid them very, very little. Basically survival. So oftentimes my my father had to work other jobs in order to survive. But if the philosophy of AOC had been maintained in our family, none of the five children would have survived. I remember in Fresno, California, when I was about 10 years of age, We lived in a two-bedroom, a tiny two-bedroom house, rented, 
We had no refrigerator. My mother used a metal icebox, not a vertical icebox, just a little box, a metal box that was called an icebox in those days because you had to put a block of ice in it every day. So you had very little room to put any food, and you had to replace it virtually every day in order to survive. That was our refrigerator. Five kids, a two-bedroom house with five children. So you say, well, what did you do for bedrooms? What did you do for beds? Would you like to know? Well, here's what we did. One bedroom was allotted to the children. There was a crib. My father had a lot of books. They were in book boxes that he could not open because there was no place for him to go. So we laid a mattress on top of the book boxes, and we children slept on the mattresses on the book boxes in one bedroom. That was my experience during that year or so on Sample Street in North uh, North Fresno, California. Things got better in large measure after that, but we never had a lot of money, ever. You see, AOC would have killed us all. It's better to be dead than poor, she said. This is the rationale of hyper-liberalism. They're not interested in people, and they're not interested in life. They do not see life from God's perspective, and so they create their own viewpoints. They have to, because nature abhors a vacuum. And when they do not have a godly viewpoint, a biblical viewpoint, then they replace it with ungodly viewpoints. That's just what happens. It's happened all over the world through history. It's caused people to exterminate their children in many civilizations throughout history, all supposedly for freedom and liberty for the parents or some kind of special happiness ingredient that will come with killing their children. The Bible is full of it. Even the children of Israel fell away so far from God that they offered their children to Moloch, the fiery God. And God, you can just imagine, who said the children of Israel, the apple of his eye, and this is what they're doing with what I have given them and the blessings that I have poured out upon them and called them my sons and my daughters, and you're doing this with my children? How can a professing Christian of any color offer up their children to Moloch, a modern Moloch today? In other words, the altar of personal peace and affluence like AOC, would do. And as if that is not enough, Warren Hearn is a self-described late-term abortion specialist, even as 
as abortion industry stalwarts like Planned Parenthood claim that late-term abortion is a meaningless phrase made up by pro-lifers just to confuse people. Unlike many abortionists who claim their motivation is to help women, Hearn seemed to actually hate human beings and their very existence, and he's not ashamed to say it. In fact, Hearn is a founding member of the National Abortion Federation, which is a population control enthusiast who has long claimed that humankind is a global cancer. So now it's not just the babies that are global cancer, you are too. And now he's published a book titled Homo Ecophagus. Not esophagus, but ecophagus. In other words, it's about the economy. A deep diagnosis to save the earth, he said. The term homo ecophagus means the man who devours the ecosystem. In other words, he says his viewpoint is Mother Earth is to be revered and human beings are to be destroyed. So several other of Hearn's writings published to his website include titles like Among the the Theme of Viewing Humankind as a Planetary Cancer. So it should be very clear, I think, on his own writings that Hearn's actions in committing abortions are not motivated by any sort of desire to help or empower human beings or even to give them freedom or liberty, but instead a desire to rid the world of them because he views them as a blight on the planet. Well, apparently, that's exactly what the UN thinks, too. That's right. That's exactly what the UN thinks, too. Now, before we go further, and by the way, I'm going to share this with you. It just came out today. UN promotes coercive abortion to counter next pandemic. they got to have a rationale for doing it. They're going to liberate you from COVID, the next pandemic, by killing your children. The more children you can kill, the less people have to suffer from the pandemic. I guess that's their thinking. So the more people that you can kill, not just babies, the more people you can kill, the less people you'll have to account for as dying from the pandemic or suffering or being hospitalized, and then justified on the basis, well, it's going to save us all money. It's going to be good for the economy. Kill as many off as you possibly can. Is that what the president of Emily's List that has just been appointed by Governor Gassim Newsom, uh, Gavin Newsom to Diane Feinstein's Senate spot? Is that what she thinks? Apparently, somewhere lurking in her mind is that very thinking. Because she's promoting, she is an avid, rabid promoter of abortion. As is her horror organization, Emily's List. That's why I will not use Emily's List, even think about using Emily's List to obtain some sort of service for our home or any other uh, business activity that we need help with. Won't use it. 
It's sheer wickedness. They're financing wickedness. It's not even remote in their endeavors. It is a fundamental part of who they are. That's why I won't pay, uh, partake of them. You and I have to be very careful. I don't necessarily jump on all the boycott talk. But this is a situation where a company and its leadership is so rapidly de- uh, dedicated to the destruction of humanity, all contrary to the word, will, and ways of God, the Creator Himself, that in effect they are shaking their fist in the face of the Creator and saying, I dare you, we know better than you do, and we'll do what we want. We're going to have our own version of freedom and liberty and kill off our kids. Hmm. We'll be back to talk about the U.N. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. Our special offer of the month of September is officially over. It was over on at the uh, striking of midnight on September uh, 30th. Many people, many people from all over the country availed themselves all the way from uh, the San Francisco area to the state of Washington to Oregon to Massachusetts and uh, Texas and uh, the Carolinas, uh, Indiana, I believe, uh, all over the country availed themselves of that tremendous opportunity to uh, obtain my books uh, for $10 a piece. It's no longer available. Now, with one exception, and I have not yet told my uh, assistant about this, but I'm going to make this one exception. And there's a reason why I'm going to make this exception. My book, Out of Egypt, is going to be the one exception. It's available to you and will continue to be available to you until further notice for $10. The reason I'm making that book available is because it is so powerful and life-changing in our orientation as to what is happening in our world, in the church, and so on, and helps to restate and reset our viewpoint according to God's viewpoint. Because, quite frankly, the church is living in the spirit of Egypt today. 
just like the children of Israel that came out of Egypt with a mighty hand. But God could not get the spirit of Egypt out of them after 40 years in the wilderness of trials and tribulations, testing God, tested them, gave them every single opportunity, and they refused to humble themselves and follow him with a whole heart. Rather, they desired and yearned after the leeks and the onions and the garlic of Egypt. Would to God that we had died in the land of Egypt. God said, okay. As you have said, so shall it be. Now, they didn't actually go back to Egypt physically, but in their hearts they went back to Egypt, God said, and because of that, he would not let them into his promised land. I want you to think about this now. This book is going to help you understand the greater picture of the gospel from Genesis to Revelation, because the words out of Egypt are the most repeated words in the Bible, phrase, pattern, thread, whatever you want to call it. It's the overarching theme of the Bible. And you cannot understand even the New Testament without understanding this theme much more accurately. And that's what this book does. Just in the last uh, couple of days, I received a call from a woman who had received the book uh, as a result of the uh, uh, great uh, reduction that we had provided during the month of September. She said she read the book and was so deeply moved by it that she was getting ready to read it again. Why? Because the book will completely open your eyes to the greater problems that God sees from his viewpoint of the way we live. He is not going to let people that profess his name, whether they're called the apple of his eye or not, he is not going to let them into his promised land if they're walking and living in the spirit of Egypt. He's not going to do it. He didn't then, and he's not going to do it today. And that's why. That's why the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he said, look, those things happened to them, Israel, back there, for our example unto whom the ends of the world are come. Therefore, take heed what happens to happen to them does not happen to you. For he that thinks he is standing will fall. Do not think you stand just because you think you want to stand. It's one thing to say you came out of Egypt. It's another thing for God to get Egypt out of you. And that's what the gospel was for. Because the spirit of Egypt is so inimical, contrary to the word, the will, and the ways of God, that he despises it. He called Abraham, the father of the faith, out of Egypt, before Israel ever went in. He called Moses out of Egypt. 
took him 40 years to get enough Egypt out of Moses to send him back in to, to Egypt to take out, call out, lead out the children of Israel, God's adopted son. Could God 40 years in the wilderness to get enough Egypt out of 600,000 men, 20 years of age and older, to allow just two of them into the promised land, Joshua and Caleb. Why? Because they had another spirit, the Bible says. Do you have that other spirit? You see, now what we're talking about is what the Bible calls a remnant. We're also beginning to talk about what God really is calling the elect. It's not all those that sign up for college that get the degree. It's those that finish the course. It's not all those that begin the race from the starting blocks that get the prize. Only those that cross the finish line. Are you listening? $10 out of Egypt. I don't think you're going to be disappointed. I suspect you'll probably read it several times, just like that man out there in San Francisco who got a copy of it and read it seven times. Why? Because it was so loaded. My wife happens to think it's the best book that I've ever uh, written. She said there are others who give it competition, but she still thinks that. It's not that I'm trying to promote a book, friends. It's the message of the book. It's the message of the book. That's what we're here. We're here to be a message deliverer. Very much like in the legal system, a process server. People never like to receive a process server. They run from them. They'd rather see a lawyer than a process server. Here you are, a lawyer and a process server for the Lord, right here on this program. That's what we do. Trying to deliver the word in love, but to still not hesitate to tell the truth as it is. I hope you get a copy of the book, Out of Egypt, $10. It's on our website, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. We'll get the book in your hands. It's life-changing. It really is. All right. Now, the United Nations promoting coercive abortion to counter the next pandemic. Here it is. World leaders at the United Nations General Assembly approved a political declaration outlining strategies to enhance global readiness for future pandemics. But discreetly embedded within the document is a call for certain social policies, including universal abortion by 2030. What's the year 2030? Oh, yes, that's the year 
that's uh, Klaus Schwab with the World Economic Forum has declared that the Great Reset will be fully implemented with a new world order, a new global order. It's also the year that the UN, through its 2030 agenda, has established for the world government to take effect. And many others have established 2030 as their goal as well to fulfill the rise of the beast system, friends, that the Bible talks about that will ultimately produce the Antichrist. And abortion, universal abortion, is part of their agenda. In other words, we will not recognize God as the creator of humanity, that babies are made in the image of God, but in fact, we are going to treat them like animals, we're going to treat them as distaff of the earth, we're going to treat them as the enemies of Mother Earth, and we're going to get rid of them as fast as we can. And we're going to do it under various different sleights of hand to try to make the people feel better about doing it. So there's a 13-page document that contains language that lends support to abortion and gender ideology. In the 52nd paragraph of a 78-paragraph of a document, it says, Ensure by 2030 universal access to sexual and reproductive health care services. Hmm. And you know what that means. That's a euphemism for abortion. So why would a pandemic preparedness document even mention things like this? Well, the UN's news release announcing the approval of the declaration emphasizes that the COVID-19 pandemic exposed global inequalities. So now they're going to propose universal abortion to satisfy or solve global inequalities. So if more people, more babies are dying in one uh, country than another, we've got to have as many babies dying in all countries so that they're all equal. Isn't that what it means? And the World Health Organization issued a news release applauding the declaration as a historic milestone. Take a brief. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. When you consider voting for various individuals for any particular public office... I would think 
that one of the first things you would want to find out is what their position is with regard to abortion. Why is it? Why would that be? Because if they don't value life, then how can they possibly value the pursuit of happiness for everyone? Or liberty and justice for all? They can't possibly be informed uh, supporting of those things if they don't support life. So even in our Declaration of Independence, it was about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You can't have liberty without life. You can't pursue happiness without life. And these folk, these hyper-progressive, God-hating, despising individuals of whatever political party and whatever nation despise God as creator. They just do. They have no fear of the Lord whatsoever. So why in the world would you, my friend, support in any way a candidate? I don't care what letters behind their name. I don't care what color they are. Why would you support a candidate who fundamentally has and carries the position of freedom to abort children? Why would you do that? There's only one reason you would do it. You are going to set aside that most fundamental conviction in favor of something that's more pleasing to you, which is exactly what's motivating them to embrace abortion in the first place. You see, you've suckered in. You have been complicit with them. I don't get it. I don't get it. How is it? that any person, black, brown, red, yellow, white, whatever, all who are supposedly precious in God's sight, how can any of us ever support an individual like that? And my dear black friends out there, I mean... Is there a brain left in your head? Is there a spiritual bone left in your body that you could embrace someone for public office who supports the freewheeling practice of abortion? You're not interested in those who care for your community. No. You're voting for people who want to destroy your community all the way back to the founders of Planned Parenthood who were pursuing eugenics for the express purpose of destroying and getting rid of black people. And for some reason, your pastors don't even get it. They're too interested in political power and not in uh, uh, spiritual uh, righteousness. And you've succumbed. You just can't continue to do this, friends, with a straight face. You can't continue to support this kind of thing and claim to be righteous before God because you're actually voting for people who defy the God of the Bible. 
I don't care whether they carry a D or an R behind their name or nothing behind their name. I don't care whether they're black or white or brown or green, whatever color they are. That's not the point. Now, these progressive forces advocating abortion are using every available avenue to further their agenda. Activists are leveraging a declaration focused on pandemic preparedness to promote Universal access to sexual and reproductive health care services, i.e. freewheeling, unalterable abortion. Which translates to universal abortion. Using global pandemic preparedness as a platform to push for universal abortion expansion is not focusing on preserving and protecting lives during health crises, It's promoting practices that end those lives. Anybody listening today? And for those of you who have looked upon with favor the abortion pill, mifeprostone, used for medical termination of uh, pregnancy, Approximately 6 million babies have lost their lives by abortion to that pill since the year 2000. Did you participate in it? Did you provide it to your son or your daughter or to your friend, your relative? Oh, you did? then you defied the very God you claim to serve. You shook your face for your own purposes. In, you shook your fist in his, own fa- in his face for your own purposes because you just chose to go by your own viewpoint rather than the God who made and preserved us a nation, who said he created humankind in his own image, and those who kill a person should be killed because their blood should go for the blood of the other. You can read it right there at the beginning of the book. Oh, have we become so blinded. Living in the spirit of Egypt, walking like an Egyptian while naming the name of Christ. It's blasphemy. Apparently, Tuckle Carlson has seen through this and he's not exactly what I would call a evangelical Christian, but he does profess to be a Christian, and uh, he was giving a speech this weekend at a gala hosted by the Center for Christian Virtue in Cleveland, Ohio. And he stated that abortion is not a political debate, but a spiritual battle. He is absolutely right. What's happened is we have turned a moral and spiritual issue into something political for our own pursuit of power, perks, and position. Both by our politicians and by pastors and other leaders. Carlson pointed out two Ohio ballot initiatives 
one enshrining abortion in the state constitution and the other decriminalizing recreational drug use. And he found these especially distressing and disturbing. So he asked this question. When you wind up in an election where the two top ballot initiatives are, number one, encouraging people to kill their own kids, and number two, encouraging their kids to do drugs, who's benefiting here? So anyone telling you, he said, don't have children, kill your children, is not your friend. It's your enemy. It's human sacrifice. Singled out for approval every time by people, but for being despised by God. He said, of all the sins the ancient committed, that sin, every single time it's described, is called detestable, detestable by God. He said, these various ancient civilizations spread across regions and continents across the globe all reached the same conclusion. Child sacrifice might provide happiness or safety on the short term. Might even cause it to rain. So they thought. But he said, this matter of child sacrifice and abortion is a religious right. It's not a policy debate. So this is not a political debate. This is a spiritual battle, and there is no other conclusion. So what is your conclusion? Do you agree with him or disagree? And if you disagree, on what basis? He argued that the era of policy paper debates now is over, and America is now in a period of a theological war. In other words, a spiritual war. He's absolutely right. And friends, that's the reason why on this program, you do not hear us doing the regular conservative banter back and forth the way it's done in the news media, even on Christian radio. You don't hear that. We have said for years that what we're facing is not fundamentally a political battle. Therefore, culture wars are actually not the right term. That's a euphemistic term to avoid the real term. The real term is spiritual wars. Now, let's wrap this up by referring to the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians 10. He said, look, The weapons of our warfare, this warfare we're talking about, are not carnal or fleshly. That's what we've tried to make them by calling the culture wars. That it's just a matter of policies, and it's just a matter of 
uh, votes. And it's just a matter. No, it's not. It's a matter of the heart. That's the problem. The heart of the matter is the heart, friends. And the heart, as Jeremiah said, is desperately wicked. Who can know it? So Paul said this. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal or fleshly, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And then he said how we do that. Now listen very carefully. He said, casting down, the King James word used imaginations. What that really means in the Greek means reasonings and thoughts or viewpoints. Casting down our human reasonings and thoughts or viewpoints and bringing every one of our thoughts into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's how you win. That's how you wage spiritual warfare. And it has to begin with each individual person. It has to begin with you. And with you, and with you, and with me, and with you, and me, and you, all of us individually, we have to bring every one of our thoughts and reasonings and imaginations into agreement with God's viewpoint. That's why we say viewpoint determines destiny. There are no neutral viewpoints. You can rationalize your viewpoint all you want. You can argue it and try to convince other people about it. But if it doesn't agree with God's viewpoint, you are in outrageous disagreement with God. In other words, you actually are declaring yourself to be equal with God, just like Satan himself. That was the original sin. In pride, he said, I will be like the Most High God. Is that your thinking? I hope not. And if it is, we ought to repent. Friends, that's why you might want to seriously consider getting a copy of the book out of Egypt. Really, I'm not kidding you. It'll change your your heart, your thinking. I think you'll appreciate it. It's yours for only $10. That's the only one remaining at $10. Call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Go to our website, saveus.org. Become a partner, friends. Send your gifts by faith to Save America Ministries. Do it today. The other guy's really not doing it. Join with us. God bless. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.